Would you turn with me this morning to 1 Corinthians, the 11th chapter. We're going to receive uh, communion together this morning. Is that okay with you? This is a, a holy thing and to be observed with reverence. And uh, that's what I want to talk about for a few minutes here from the Scripture. And I, I believe that, I, I know that if you receive communion with faith, you can receive miracles. Yeah. Amen. Amen. In so doing. I've seen it. Been a, been a part of it. So I'm, I'm interested in that this morning as well. If you have a need... Uh, physical or mental or emotional or whatever the case might be of business need, whatever the thing might be. How many believe there has been complete provision given us in the redemptive work of Jesus Christ? Amen. Amen. There's nothing that we need that has not already been provided in His death, His burial, His resurrection, His ascension, and now His uh, intermediary ministry at the right hand of the Father. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, I'm going to read this passage, and then we're going to take it verse by verse and uh, feed on it, glean from it this morning. If you would, let's pray and let's agree together for utterance, and that I'm not just going to look at you, and you're not just going to look at me. We're all going to look up this morning, amen, and let the Lord talk to us, minister to us. Father, we thank you for the privilege being here together and with you this morning. Thank you that we have a good place to meet in. Thank you for the beautiful weather. Thank you, Lord, for the freedom we have in this country. Thank you for the freedom we have to worship you and serve you. And You've been so good to us. You've done so many wonderful and good and great things for us. We give you all the credit and praise. And, Lord, thank you for utterance right now. And we ask for everyone for ears that hear and eyes that see and a heart that's open and receptive. And let there come, Lord, divine grace deposits, truth, impartation, revelation that makes free. And we'll give you the glory. And we'll not be hearers only. We'll be doers. In Jesus' name, amen. Won't you say it again? I'm a doer. I'm a doer. I'm a doer of the Word of God. That's the people that get blessed. It's not just the Bible toters. It's not just the church goers. It's not just the tape players or note takers. <laughs> Who is it that gets blessed? Doers. The doers, the people that do the word, practice the scripture on a regular basis. Say it one more time. I'm a doer. I'm a doer. Amen. In 1 Corinthians uh, 11, we're given... By the Spirit, through the Apostle Paul, instruction concerning the receiving of the Lord's Supper or, or communion. And actually, he begins by correcting them and by warning them and instructing them. So let's hear it just like the Lord's talking to us today because he is through these very words. Verse 17. He said, Now in this that I declare to you, I praise you not, that you come together not for the better, but for the worse. 
For first of all, when you come together in the church, I hear that there be divisions among you, and I partly believe it. You know, there's a lot of things you'll just only partly believe. (laughs) For there must be also heresies among you, that they which are approved may be made manifest among you. When you come together, therefore, into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in eating, everyone takes before other his own supper, and one is hungry, and another is drunken. What? Have you not houses to eat and drink in? Or despise ye the church of God, and shame them that have not? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I praise you not. For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he brake it and said, Take ye, this is my body, which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup, when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood, this do ye as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eats and drinks unworthily, eats and drinks damnation, or that's the word for judgment, to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we're chastened of the Lord that we should not be condemned with the world. Wherefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, tarry one for another. And if any man hunger, let him eat at home, that you come not together unto condemnation, and the rest will I set in order when I come. Notice verse 33, the last phrase there. When you come together to eat, what did he say? Wait. For each other. Everybody say that out loud. Wait for each other. Let's say it two more times. Wait for each other. And once again, wait for each other. That was kind of the punchline of this whole passage. You know, it really does you good to, uh, to, to read a whole passage like this. A lot of times people will just pull a verse or two. And, and take off on a thought. And if you'd have just read two verses before it, you wouldn't have preached that. <laughs> or if you'd have just read three verses after it, you'd have saw that, that that couldn't be right. We need to take things as a whole. And for those of you that were not with us on Friday, we've been teaching a series called Truth or Tradition for the past uh, uh, six sessions. And we're beginning uh, this coming Friday on a series called The Ways, excuse me, The Works and Ways of Jesus. And uh, I asked the, the people that are going to be coming regularly to begin reading the Scripture one chapter a day, beginning in Matthew. There's 260 chapters in the New Testament. If you read one a day, Monday through Friday, that's five chapters a week. You take off Saturday and Sunday if you want to. 
Just one chapter. If you'll do that, you, in one year's time, you will have read the entire New Testament. And I'm asking everybody that's coming, attending to, to do this. And there's a couple of reasons why. One, you just need to feed on the Word. People say, well, I can read a lot more than that. Yeah, but I'm not asking you to. A lot of folk get carried away and they want to read a bunch at one time and then they'll go months and not read anything at all. Consistency produces better results. And you're much better off reading a chapter and getting something out of it than rushing through ten and barely getting anything. So I'm asking you to read one chapter a day, Monday through Friday, beginning in Matthew 1, uh, tomorrow, Monday. And as you read, pray a little quick prayer before you read and say, Lord, uh, open my eyes, help me to see Jesus. Because you're going to start reading in the Gospels. You're going to be reading about Jesus and what he is and what he said and what he did, what he didn't teach, what he didn't do. And that's what we're going to be teaching on on these Friday evenings also. Is that okay? Anybody wants to do that besides us? Good. Thank you. Um, I'm, I'm believing you'll get a lot out of this if you'll do it in faith. And whatever effort you would have put into ten chapters, put it into that one. Read it slowly, carefully, with faith, and believing to understand. Now in this passage, I think you see that he is correcting them strongly. Because they were not observing the Lord's Supper correctly. He goes on to say that because of them failing to observe this right, many of them were weak and sickly, and some had died. And he said this because of of failing to discern the body. Now, they, you know, the Lord Jesus, you read back in the gospel accounts, Right before he was offered up, he, as he was having this meal with the disciples, at the end of it apparently, after he had supped, the scripture said, he stopped and he took the bread and he broke it after he blessed it and he said, take and eat, this is my body, broken for you. And afterwards he took the cup and he had them to divide it among themselves and said, take this is my blood in the New Testament and uh, this is something that he established And he said also through Paul here in the New Testament, do this as often as you do it in remembrance of me. Now we're not told specifically how often we're to do this. Some people do it every time they come together. Some people do it once a quarter, once a month, once a year. Well, I don't know of any scripture that says who's right or wrong on that. He just said as often as you do it. Do it in remembrance of me. I think it's more important. It's important that you just that you do it somewhere, some way. But it's most important how you do it. How you do it. Back up if you would and read this 17th verse again. He said, uh, I declare unto you, the thing I'm declaring now, I praise you not that you come together not for the better, but for the worse. I mean, is it true that uh, they, they were the worse off for having these meetings? That's a thought, isn't it? Are there some meetings people would have been better off not having? <laughs> they were the worse after they had them than before they had them? You know, it's not, it's not enough just to pray. you got to pray correctly. It's not enough just to come and have service. You need to have service properly. 
And one way you can tell, you know, God is in the life business. And you can tell if it's a sermon, if it's a prayer, whatever it is. If if you did it right and you did it in faith, there will be some quickening about it. There will be some life in it. Amen. Even if you get corrected, even if you get reproved, before God gets through with you, you'll be lifted. Amen. And he said, you, you come together for the worse. He said, verse 18, first of all, when you come together in the church, I hear there be divisions among you, and I partly believe it. In other words, there, there is something to it. For there must be also heresies among you, that they which are approved may be made manifest among you. These word divisions and heresies have to do with the meaning of groups and separations. There were separations in the church. There were groups within the group. And this is not okay. I mean, this is soundly condemned here. And I could take you to place after place in other portions in the New Testament where where the Word speaks very strongly against divisions and sects, S-E-C-T-S, parties. If you back up earlier in this chapter, he he said to them, he said, some of you are, are saying, I'm of Paul. Others are saying, I'm of Apollos. Others are saying, I'm of Peter's group. And that's a problem that is unacceptable to the Lord. Yes. How many believe in heaven there are no name tags? Yeah. Huh? Yeah. How many think if you're going down the golden streets today, you're not going to see, Hi, I'm Bill, I'm a Baptist. <laughs> Hi, I'm Julie, I'm Methodist. Uh-huh. Huh? Right. Right. No. But now we're not just talking about different groups, different denominations. He's talking specifically about groups within that church body at Corinth. And apparently when they came together to eat the Lord's Supper, they grouped off into their groups. Hmm? Is that okay? It's not okay. And you can see, apparently, the wealthy grouped, grouped off from the poor. And they had big lavish meals, and the poor just barely had enough. And so they're over here eating great big turkey drumsticks and, and sweet potato casserole. And, and these guys over here in the corner with some crackers and cheese. Is that okay? It's not okay. And, and, and part of the group were saying, well, you know, we got more light on healing than they do. The other one saying, well, we got more light on prosperity. The other said, well, we care more about the lost than y'all do. And there were groups. You, you can read sometimes in the book of Galatians and just and hear the heart of God. He's pleading with them. I mean, if, if there's any compassion in you, he's saying, be like-minded. He, he, he's emphasizing unity yes. and love. Parents like to see their children get along, yes. don't they? Amen. And how much the Father God. The enemy knows that if one of us can put a thousand to flight, two can do what? That's not just doubling, right? 
So he knows that, and so he works overtime to keep us guessing about each other and wondering about each other and letting divisions and schisms operate. And the biggest problem that you see here is this grouping, this schism, this division, groups within the group. Not okay. You know, when you have that kind of thing, what, what's, what's the result? Some people feel like that they're, whether they say it or not, they feel like that they're a little superior to these other folk. And, and other people sometimes feel like they're inferior. They're not as spiritual. They're not as, and, and, and both of these are deception. No matter how much you know, it's just a drop in the bucket of what you could know. Right? And no matter how little you know, God loves you. And he looks at your heart. And you can give him your all just like the person that's been walking with him for 50 years. You can be wholehearted. And that's what God sees is the heart. And if God accepts somebody, we should accept them. Amen. If he loves them, we should love. Doesn't mean we have to love all their goofy ways any more than they have to love all of our goofy ways. But we still love them. If they're accepted of him, they're accepted of us. If he loves them, we love them. Amen. So church and, and everybody that are, that are thinking about this, that you're thinking about faith life is, is going to be your church. Uh, I, I said to the group on Friday, I'm going to begin to ask you to do some things here and there. I, I'll give you my word. I, I won't ask you to do something unless I feel sure that I'm supposed to. And I won't ask you to do something frivolous or, or trivially. And I won't ask you to do something that I wouldn't do. But if you feel like this is going to be your place, I want to ask you to do this. This place must be a place that makes people feel welcome Amen. and comfortable. Amen. Amen. So I want you to take it personally upon yourself to be friendly and outgoing. It's not okay to think that you're so spiritual that you just come in and roll your eyes up in the top of your head and talking in tongues and you're off in a trance and you ain't got time for anybody. That's not okay. I said, that's not okay. Got to be friendly. Got to reach out. Amen. And, and not just, you, you know, some people go a-witnessing. You know what I mean by that? They go a-witnessing. You know, that's not even what the Scripture said. What did Acts say? You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come on you, and you shall what? Go a-witnessing occasionally. What? You shall be. Be. That's something you are. That's something you are at home. It's something you are in the backyard. It's something you are at the factory. It's something you are at the grocery store, right? Yeah. It's something you are. Yes. And people can tell if you come up and I'm not, I'm not opposed to, to uh, knocking on the door and inviting somebody to come to church. I'm not saying that. But they can tell if you just feel like you, you got under condemnation because you felt like you haven't witnessed anybody and you just put some time aside and you run knock on the door and, and, and people can tell you're just trying to put another notch on your pistol handle <laughs> spiritually. Huh? That I brought somebody to church and you don't really care about them. That's not okay. Friendly, outgoing, spirit of adoption, makes you feel welcome, makes you feel like you belong, makes you feel like you're a part. We're supposed to be family. 
Amen. Family. Everybody say family. So he said, you've got these groups within the church. And he goes on to say, verse 20, when you come together into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. In other words, he said, you're having a supper, but it's not the Lord's Supper. You know, wonder how many things is that way. The Lord would say, y'all having a service, but <laughs> it's not my kind. Y'all are praying, but I'm not in it. You know, the, uh, the individual, uh, Jesus said, you know, that, that who was it? The publican stood up and prayed thus with himself. <laughs> and said, Father, I thank you that I'm not like other men. Well, God said he's just praying with himself. God wasn't even in it. Okay, keep reading here in verse uh, 21. For in eating, everyone takes before other his own supper, and one is hungry, and another is drunken. In eating, everyone takes before the other his own. Now see, this was a crystal indication that they had not a clue what they were doing. When we observe communion, there are two primary things we're supposed to have on our mind. Number one is the Lord, what He has done. Number two, and this is where a lot of folk have missed it, is the body. That's not just my opinion. That's what we see in this passage again and again and again. The body. Who is the body of Christ? Jesus is the head. Everybody that's born again has been placed into the body. Everybody in every group, in every denomination, in every country, in every culture, everywhere in the world that's really been born again is part of the body. So we're not just to be thinking only about the Lord. We're also to be thinking about His body, which is the people in front of you and behind you and to your side. And the church everywhere. And it was because of a failure to do this that they got in trouble. He said in verse 22, what? Have you not houses to eat and drink in? Or despise ye the church of God? And shame them that have not? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I praise you not. Now see, they they had a full meal. They'd come and eat together full meal, and then they'd also observe the Lord's Supper, I guess at the end or at some point in it. But they had, this thing had lost its significance. There was no reverence in it. And he said, you, you despise the church of God. Despise means fail to esteem, fail to reverence, just failing to appreciate something. You know, you see sometimes people come in and and uh, maybe there's laying on of hands going on down front, or maybe there's a water baptism, and somebody's over, you know, uh, eating popcorn and, and laughing about something that's got nothing to do with what's going on, or just uh, talk to somebody about some secular something in the middle. Well, that's, that's despising the church of God. I mean, how many believe these things are holy? They're important. They, they deserve our full attention. And it's not just that you'd be disrespectful to the preachers or, or that, whatever. You'd be disrespectful to the Lord. 
Because it's, it's his ordinance. He's the one said to do it. The elements represent him. It's his body. So in showing respect for these things, we show respect for him. They were failing to do that. In verse 23, he said, For I have received of the Lord that which I delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. So he told us, when you do this, do it in remembrance of me. Think about me. Think about what I did. And that's what we're going to do. That's what we're doing. That's what we're going to do. Verse 25, after the same manner, he took the cup. And when he had supped, he said, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. So we're we're looking backwards when we do this, and we're looking forward. We look back at when Jesus laid down his life and paid the price at the whipping post and on the cross, and all that his death and burial and resurrection has bought for us and provided for us. And then also we're looking ahead. He said, do it until I come. Is he coming? Now, the writers of the Scripture said he was coming soon. That was centuries ago. That was true. Well, if it was soon then, what is it now? (laughs) That's right, really soon. We're closer than anybody has ever been. Right? To the return of the Lord. He's coming. And it's something you should be excited about. I said, you should be excited about it. He he is coming. Amen. It's going to be great. We're going to be caught up. It'd be neat to be alive when he comes. Wouldn't it? The Bible said the trump will sound. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Now that's going to be amazing to see. If you are alive... And you saw the dead in Christ raised all of them out of their graves. Whew. And their spirits come back into their bodies. And they'll be glorified from head to toe. Never again to age. Never again to die. And about the time you're enraptured with that, that power hits you. Whew. Flows through your body. Changes every cell of your being from corruptible to incorruptible, from mortal to immortal. Can't be sick, can't age, can't die. Glory! That's good. And we're closer to it than anybody has ever been. So when we observe communion, we're looking back and we're saying, thank you, Lord, for paying such a terrible price to give us such wonderful life. Amen. And then we turn around and go, and you're coming. (laughs) You're coming soon. Amen. So we ought not be depressed when we receive communion. I said we ought not be depressed. We ought to take communion with expectation. Everybody say expectation. Expectation Expectation of faith. 
Let's keep reading. He said, verse 27, Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. Now, a lot of people have taken this verse and they have focused on the worthiness of the individual partaking communion, and that is incorrect. Do you understand? You cannot make yourself worthy through any amount of of good works, through any degree or amount of praying or fasting or anything you might do. You cannot make yourself worthy. What the Lord has already done Amen. Through our faith in receiving it has made us. Is that what 1 Corinthians said? He's been made to us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, redemption. We've been made holy, made worthy. You didn't earn it. I didn't know. It's not bragging. I didn't do it. Right? But we've been made this way. He's not talking about that. Unworthily means in an unworthy manner. Or you might say it like this, in an irreverent manner. It's the way they were taking communion. They were doing it irreverently. They were doing it like it's just another meal. They were doing it ignorant and unaware of the people around about them. Here's people over here barely had enough to eat while they're stuffing themselves off of expensive food and don't even want to associate with them. They got their little group over here and they got their little group over there. This is grieving God. You can see you can see through Paul, the Spirit speaking through Paul here, and, and it was not okay. He goes on to say, verse 28, But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. Some people even go so far as saying that you can't take communion with us unless you're approved by us and unless you meet our standard of worthiness. That's absolutely unscriptural and wrong. Today, this is open communion. Amen. If you feel like that there's something that's not right with you, he didn't say examine yourself and don't do it. What did he say? Examine yourself and what? Are you looking at the scripture? Examine yourself and then let him eat and drink. Amen. And one of the main things he's talking about examining yourself is that you properly reverence what you're doing, what the elements represent, what the Lord has done, and that you are aware of the body. He goes on to say, Verse 29, he that eats and drinks unworthily, in an unworthy manner, eats and drinks damnation, really the word is judgment, to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. Now the word Lord is actually added there. It just says not discerning the body. Not discerning the body. And for this cause, many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. That word sleep means body sleep. They've died prematurely. No such thing as soul sleep. But when a Christian dies, their spirit leaves their body, goes to be with Jesus, and the body is said to sleep. Why? Because that's not even the end of that body. That body's going to be raised, just like we talked about earlier. So it's just sleeping. But 
this, this is so revealing to me. If it were God's will for some to be weak and sickly and for some to die prematurely or in middle age or young, this verse shouldn't be here. Are you with me? If this was what God was doing in their life, then why would he tell them your failure to rightly discern the body is resulting in these things? If sometimes it's the will of God and sometimes it's not, how would we know the difference? Or do you believe that just even from this passage, it must be the will of God that we not be weak? Huh? That we not be sickly. That we not die young or in middle age. Prematurely. Would you assume from this that that's what he's implying? That if they had been rightly discerning the Lord's body, that these things wouldn't have happened. Because he goes into detail saying it's for this cause. There are many weak, many sickly, and many that have died. Not just, not just a couple, many. Does it make a difference how we view and how we think about and how we talk about and how we treat the things of God? Can it make a difference in your health? Can it make a difference in how long you live? Yes and yes. Yes. See, we live in an irreverent world. You know that, don't you? I mean, we, we live, I mean, we're, we're actually still suffering and reaping the fruit of things that happened in the 50s. A lot of what people called getting free was just rebelling against anything that had the resemblance of authority, which included God and included the church and included any form of leadership or any anything that looked like authority to anybody and people quit you know everything was brought down to a common plane and there's no reverence there's no respect and I mean it's an epidemic in our generation of children that don't respect and honor their parents and people that have no respect and honor for their employers or for leaders in in the city or the, the government or any other place I mean, people, they're just, at a moment's notice, they'll just spout off and, and tell people what they think and no respect. You know, it's an interesting thing in the book of Acts. I won't take time to, to go there and look at it carefully, but Paul was brought before the magistrates, the leaders, actually the high priest. And he made a statement about his faith and serving God with a good conscience. And this high priest, who was apparently backslid and whatever, he commanded the guard to slap Paul in the face. And this whole job is being a security guy. I don't need works out, practices hitting people, I imagine. He hits Paul, and I'm sure he didn't just tap him. He backhanded him. And Paul said, God's going to smite you, you whitewashed wall. Well, let's see what you say if somebody backhands you real good. There's a lot of folk think they're so they're so holy, you know, and they, they, they wouldn't do this or that. But I'm telling you, when you get hit real hard, it just goes all over you. And something that comes right front in your thinking is hit them back. Harder. 
<laughs> you got to control your flesh to keep from doing that. But somebody, when he said that, somebody on the side says, do you talk this way to God's high priest? And he apologized. He basically said, forgive me, brothers, I didn't know he was the high priest. Here's somebody that didn't even know God. Somebody that is commanding to hit a man who's an apostle, who's been called up to heaven, who, who knows the Lord better than most any 50 people put together. And yet he apologizes. Why? Because this man is in a position of authority. Man, we need some of that, don't we? Don't we need some restoration of these things? And see, the thing is, some people think, well, I, I respect God, but, you know, uh, I, you know, I'm not bound to any man. Well, that's a problem. Because the reality is, your respect and reverence for God is shown directly in how you treat people. No respect for people, you don't have it for God. Don't care what anybody says. That's the way it is. Your respect and your honor for God will be shown in your respect and honor for his ministers, for his church, for his ministries, and just for your fellow brother and sister. Because they are God's. Anything that's his, you respect because you respect him. They had lost respect for this holy ordinance of the Lord, and because of it, many of them were weak, many of them were sickly, they had chronic problems, they weren't healed up, and many of them had already died. Well, then what if we corrected it? I mean, if going that way would cause problems, what if you corrected it and went the other way and you became reverent and you became respectful and you honored the things of the Lord? Would you come out of weakness? Don't you think it'd work? If it worked negatively, why wouldn't it work positively? Don't you suppose you could be healed in making these adjustments? Don't you suppose you could come out of weakness into strength? Do you believe you could come out of being in danger of dying prematurely and living long? Didn't the scripture say, with long life, I'll satisfy him and show him my salvation. That's the will of God. That's the plan of God. Let's keep reading. Get ready to receive here. He said, if we would judge ourselves, and that's what, just what we've been talking about. If we judge ourselves, what's going to happen? Man, that's some of the best news you ever heard. If you'll judge yourself, you won't be judged. So you just judge yourself. Lord, Lord forgive me. I hadn't been, hadn't been treating that with the proper respect. Forgive me. I, I judged myself. That wasn't right. I, I, I referred to that too commonly. I treated that too trivially. I didn't esteem that. That's your thing. That's your people. That's your church. How many understand they don't have to believe just like you do? If they're his, and he's accepted them, you have to watch that you don't say anything negative. Right? That's why you're talking about him. Don't you remember when Saul's on the road to Damascus and he met Jesus? What did Jesus say to him? Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou my Christians? Huh? What did he say? Why are you persecuting me? He took it personally. He said, you're doing this to me. And I'm sure Saul thought... I don't even know you. <laughs> but yet he was taking it personally. It works both ways. Didn't he also say, inasmuch as you've done it unto the least of these my brethren? Good things. You did it to me. Do you know you can buy the Lord lunch today? 
That's right. Did you know? Yeah. You can buy the Lord a, a suit or a dress or a pair of shoes or if you do it to one of His. He takes it personally. Keep reading. Verse 32, when we are judged, we're chastened of the Lord, that we should not be condemned with the world. Even the judgment of the Lord is in mercy to spare us from final judgment. Verse 33, wherefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, what's the punchline here again? What does it say? Tarry, the King James says, or wait for one another. Wait for each other. Everybody say it again. Wait for each other. Oh, I wish I had more time on this. Wait for each other. Wait for each other. When you're too busy, see, these guys were too busy. They just came and they brought their stuff and they got to their group and they're eating and, and, and glutting themselves while some other folk just showed up with just barely enough crackers to say they had something. And that act revealed that they had no concept of what's supposed to be going on in the Lord's Supper. We're supposed to be discerning Jesus and we're supposed to be discerning what? The body. The body. How many understand it's not okay, it's not just enough for you to be healed? We want our brothers and sisters healed. Amen? It's not just enough for you to have your bills paid. What? We shouldn't be satisfied till our brothers and sisters' bills are paid too. Right? It's not enough for you to be happy and free and victorious. You know, everything the Lord gives you is ultimately to give away. That's right, to help somebody else with. And so I want us to be very conscientious of the Lord, His blood, His body, and of the body of Christ. We're going to receive the the communion elements. We're going to receive of Him. And we can make some adjustments this morning if we hadn't been as reverent toward the things of God. And we can receive healing this morning. Ushers, I want you to go ahead and get ready to come down.